Hi, this is Jonathan Marks, and welcome to the On Your Marks Book Review Podcast. This week I read the book Make Time, How to Focus on What Matters Every Day, written by Jake Knapp and John Karatsky. By the way, this is book number 40 in my 52 Books in a Year project. Before I jump into the review, I wanted to share an odd coincidence. This week's book, kind of related to managing time in one's life, reminded me of the book 4,000 Weeks that I read at the start of the year. When I opened that file to see my notes, I noted that I'd read that book between the 3rd and the 9th of January. The current book I read from the 3rd of the 9th to October. Now, while I had a rough idea through the year of what I was reading when, the list did change and was reworked as I went. But this just seemed like such an unusual coincidence to not remark on it in my podcast. Who knows what it means, but clearly there is no such thing as randomness. I love Berkman's book, 4,000 Weeks, and I think it was the perfect start to my year of 52 books, as it reminded me of how brief life is. But it was, in fairness, a little light on strategies and tactics. And this is where Jake and John's book excels. These two fine young men worked for many years at Google, and they worked on various projects, including Gmail and YouTube, as well as being partners at Google Ventures. Their tenure at Google Ventures, by the way, led to the writing of a book called Sprint, which came out in 2016. This book is definitely worth a read if you're looking for or are interested in running any kind of product or service design sprint, especially using the human-centered design approach. All right, so back to making time. The book is not a time management or productivity book. As the authors say, and I quote, It's not about getting more done, finishing your to-dos faster, or outsourcing your life. Instead, it's a framework designed to help you create more time in your day for the things you really care about. End quote. The authors contend that there are two powerful forces that compete for our time every minute of the day. The first is the busy bandwagon. This is the constant culture of busyness, this endless to-do list and overfilled schedules and stuffed email inboxes. This seems to be a feature of the modern workplace, and we all too often feel that if we slow down, we might never catch up. The second force is what the authors call infinity pools. This refers to the apps and other sources of endlessly replenished content that compete for our time and attention. The rule is pretty simple. If you pull to refresh, it's an infinity pool. As Jake and John say, and I quote, This always available, always new entertainment is your reward for the exhaustion of constant busyness. But is constant busyness mandatory? Is endless distraction really a reward? Or are we just stuck on autopilot? End quote. This autopilot, or default mode as the authors call it, means that we find ourselves, especially with respect to technology, accepting whatever the developers decided was suitable and optimal for their objective. Our lives, as much as we don't want to accept it, are somewhat ruled by Apple or Google or whoever makes your phone. The duo proposes a simple model for getting off the busy bandwagon and away from infinity pools. As I read the book, I tried at least to imagine implementing some of the 80-plus tactics suggested. Not easy. The ideas are simple, but implementation, especially while galloping across the felt on a runaway busy bandwagon while checking my iPhone, is definitely not a simple task. But for those made of sterner stuff, here is their model. J&J suggests that we need four stages to getting our time back. The first is to choose a simple activity to prioritize each day. This is your highlight. This can be anything you value, whether it's completing a presentation, writing a few pages of a book, or playing with your kids. It really doesn't matter. 
The only rule is that it needs to be scheduled and protected in your calendar. You will of course have other things to do in your day, but the highlight will be your priority. Having your highlight is not enough. Now you need to deal with distractions. And this is where you commit to adjusting your technology to ensure laser mode. So stage two, laser, means you create the conditions to beat distractions to make time for your highlight. Then comes energize. Resting on the idea of using the body to recharge the brain, energize is about good exercise, sleep, good food, quiet time, and of course face-to-face -face time with the people that are important to you in your life. The authors argue that the lifestyle defaults of the 21st century tend to ignore our evolutionary base and often rob us of energy to function and to perform optimally. Finally, we get to reflect. This is time to adjust and improve the system. Before bed, the guys suggest you take a few notes and decide which tactics you want to continue, which should be refined or which should be dropped. And that's making time. Not too tricky. To help us get this implemented, they provide over 80 individual tactics across these four stages. If productivity and time management is your jam, then rush out and buy this book. It really is packed with good stuff to apply and is decidedly non-prescriptive. I won't list all the tactics offered up in the book. I have included 12 of these in the companion infographic, but I would like to highlight three here that stood out for me as I read the book. In the highlight section, I liked the block your calendar tactic. This was nicely aligned to Cal Newport's strategy and his book Deep Work. He has designed a physical planner to help with this time blocking strategy, and you should find it at most decent bookstores. I've found it incredibly useful over the years. The strategy is to schedule time to complete your highlight and other important work in the same way that you would a meeting or a call with a third party. Two further tricks that the authors offer is not to be greedy with your time. In other words, schedule space in your day that allows you to connect with others, especially if your work or your role demands this. And second is to take it seriously. Consider these commitments with yourself as important meetings and don't give in to distraction or other people's agenda. Speaking of distraction, the pop-out idea in the laser section was creating what the authors call a distraction-free phone. Our phones are probably the biggest traps of infinity pools. The apps are designed to keep us connected and constantly swiping to refresh. John and Jake suggest removing all social media apps and any app that we use obsessively or lose hours in without meaning to. This includes games, streaming video, news feeds, and of course email. Surprisingly, web browsers have to go too. Wow, that was a tough one. Web browsers? That may be a hard pill to swallow, but they say the most important reward of a distraction-free phone is reclaiming control. Once you control the defaults, you're the boss. In the Energize section, there are a bunch of predictable lifestyle hacks related to food, exercise, meditation, and still moments in our days and our lives. The one tactic that I loved was called Get Woodsy. This refers to a Japanese practice called Shinrin-yoku, or forest bathing. Studies have shown that even brief exposure to a forest lowers stress, heart rate, and blood pressure. Nature walkers, it seems, have up to 20% better cognitive performance than those who take a walk in a cityscape. The Reflect section, the last of the four stages, had a four-stage process that I think is useful no matter which tactics you take on. And the stages are as follows. Observe what's going on. Take your best guess as to why things are happening the way they are. 
experiment with different actions to test your hypotheses, and then measure the results. This might seem a little bit overly scientific for most of us, and my simple hack around the reflection is just get yourself a journal. Take a little time once or twice a day to write, and when you have time, scan back and see how your thoughts and ideas have developed over time. The book has some beautiful quotations peppered throughout, and this one at the end resonated with me and I'd like to share it at the close of this podcast. It's from the author, philosopher and theologian Howard Thurman, and I quote, Do not ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go do that, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. End quote. Well, in the week ahead, I'm reading Elon Musk's biography. While this is already a few years old, I'm excited to read this book and get a grip on this iconoclast of an entrepreneur. Please do look out for that review next week. And for the rest, I hope you have an absolutely beautiful week ahead. 